Welcome to the Elijah Fire Podcast, where we jump into issues of today with faith and freedom instead of fear. And now here's your host, Jeff Tharp. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 100 of Elijah Fire. Woo! Fireworks, confetti, slash, I didn't want to get any of that because I didn't want to clean it up. And then my cat finds some of it later and eat it. She loves plastic. So you have to just imagine, use your imagination. Um, I'm really excited about today. It's been a long time coming, 100 episodes. Technically, it's been more because we've done like the Elijah Fire series, um, which we have two more in development right now. So there's a little teaser, two of them in, in, in development right now. So really excited. Those are going to be happening very soon. So we'll announce those further down the line. Um, but it's just to whet your appetite. Uh, so this is episode 100. I just wanted to take a second to thank all the people on my team, all the people that have made Elijah Fire possible. Um, that's Illumination. She's the producer extraordinaire and she's coordinates. And uh, basically I joke and call her my brain sometimes because I can be very hyper-focused and then very non-linear at the same time. So uh, she's a great counterpart in that regard. And, and so great Illumination. Love you. Um, and then Michael, of course, he's our resident guy in the chair uh, when he can be here. And then it's me pretending not to be uh while i'm hosting uh so it's always kind of fun but michael's amazing and he does so much for the allegedly ministries at large um and i know steve can attest to that he's amazing so i value his his efforts on this show making things happen uh, and his know-how is second to none so he's amazing and then mariah of course she does the podcast uh, and she's just uh, exudes joy and happiness and is always so enthusiastic. Anytime I ask her, it's like I'm throwing a curveball. She's like, no problem. Can't wait. Amazing. So excited. So uh, we love you, Mariah. You're amazing. You're a great addition to the team. And we wouldn't have a podcast if it wasn't for you. So yay. And then Paul, of course, you do the re he he's the guy. If you look on social media, he's the guy that does the reels. He clips out all the reels. And then he also is uh, kind of heads up Elijah Clips. If you're subscribed to that, if you're not. Go over to Elijah Clips on YouTube, subscribe, or on Rumble, uh, and then you can get little bite-sized bits of both Elijah Streams and Elijah Fire. He's amazing. He does all of that. Um, and then, of course, my guest today, Steve Schultz. He's the guy that made this all possible. So we, all of us, the viewers, listeners, us here at, at Elijah Fire, we, we owe like mountains of thanks to him for making this even a thing. So... It's great. Um, and it's been a huge blessing to us. I know it's been a huge blessing to you guys. Um, but I also wanted to thank you viewers, the listeners, the viewers, um, for your um, constant encouragement, your excitement over this show, um, and also sharing with us what God is doing in your lives as a result of guests we've had on the show that have given you a prophetic word or um, you've received healing. And so we actually not today or or friday but on mondays is actually our official one year anniversary and so we're going to do something kind of fun uh, but we also want to hear from you guys um favorite guests favorite elijah fire moments um what god has done through you because uh, that was really the goal of this show is to take people to the next level because god is calling a lot of people to deeper things and and um and uh, an increase in the prophetic giftings and, and all that. So we want to hear about that. So between today and Monday, so you have a little less than a week, 
You can DM us on Instagram. You can write in the comments. If you're not watching live, write in the comments or wait until after the live and comment in the comments. Uh, or you can write us on Facebook. So you can write us on Facebook. You can DM us on Instagram or you can write a comment. And we are going to be just kind of cherry picking some of those to read. Um, and it could be whatever you want. And it could be an encouragement. Um, it could be what God has done in you. If you received healing, we want to hear about that too. Um, we're just excited and we want you guys to be a part of that excitement as well. So, and we want to hear from you guys. So go ahead and do that. And we'll be covering that stuff on Monday on the one year anniversary. So, okay. Without any further ado, my guest doesn't really need an introduction, but some of you don't even know who this guy is because you may have found us from other means. Uh, but he is the founder of the Elijah list. He's also the host of the show Elijah streams, which streams at least five days a week. Uh, five times a week. Sometimes it does more. Um, but he's also the guy that signs my checks and he's my boss and he's amazing. So let's give it up for my guest today, Steve Schultz. Hey! <laughs> I love it. I love that. You know, it was 1978, 77, maybe when Pac-Man, and I always think it looks, looks like Pac-Man when you do, yeah. you've got this opening. I love it. It's kind of like retro, but it feels yeah. kind of like I don't know if it feels modern or old fashioned. It's, like, it's like it's like ne very... neo retro. I yeah. think because there's like a big like retro. Because like when I made the intro, the very first, the intro to the show, and I showed you like, wow, eighties, okay. And I was like, trust me, Steve, trust me, it's in. So yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I remember actually. I've been married forty four years. Before that, the year before that, I was with someone else on a date, and we go to mm -hmm. Marie Calendars. And they had one of these flat tables with Pac-Man on it. It's got oh, the same yeah. sounds and the same, yeah, you know, all of this stuff. So mm -hmm. it's like, it was so cool back then. It still feels cool. So anyway, it is. It is cool. Hey, good congratulations on a hundred shows. That's amazing. Yeah, you did such a good job, Jeff. And thank you. And uh, you know, your reputation precedes you. You you were saying off the air that even uh, Robin Bullock had said you will probably get even more controversial over time. What do you think about yes. that? Since, I'm asking you that question. Uh, it it it's like you know when you get a word that you feel the weight of yeah. and you get nervous. It, yeah. It's kind of you you know that God's going to see you through, but at the yeah. same time you know what it means, like yeah. the, the gravity of it. Um, kind of that. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh man, but um, I mean, I'm ready. I'm ready for it. You know, uh, and and just I I think with those things, just to look at what the next step is and ask the Lord and follow that. And, yeah. and not, not be, um, not be timid about it, but just, you know, yeah, go for well, it. Yes. Go for it. Yeah. yeah. Much it's, like with you and Elijah streams, you know, what, what God has kind of had you walk into, uh, it's been exciting. Yeah, it has. It's yeah. been never a dull moment. Well, we're, we're yeah. having fun. I don't know how many shows we've done. Um, I don't know if you've counted them, but hundreds, I guess. Yeah, Michael, Michael might know. He's got a log. Hun he just says hundreds. Hundreds, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We should get an official count, you know, because yeah, when be you funny. get to episode 1000, Steve, you can, which is probably a lot sooner than mine. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Michael says he'll work on it. And we'll get it. Yeah, there you go. But anyway, yeah. so. Okay. So, Steve, today's episode is going to be... Um, I think going to bring a lot of healing to a lot of people. And it's one that you were on episode number one with us. And it's amazing that it's taken this many more to get you back on, but it's very ceremonious that it's episode 100. Um, yeah. But after the episode, um, we had, I had talked to you about this topic 
Um, and so it just took us this long to, to make it happen. But um, what are we going to be talking about today? So we're going to talk about abuse. Um, I'm okay. a child of abuse. And I'll tell the story. I'll just kind of begin to lay it out here. But we want to talk about abuse in the family. But the thing about abuse is that it's not a lone ranger. There are, when the enemy, you know, Jesus said that the thief, meaning Satan himself, comes only but to steal, kill, and destroy. So when he, the, the enemy, plans abuse, he doesn't just stop at abuse. He's got trauma. He's got accidents. He's got fear. He's got disease. He's got misunderstandings. He's got uh, betrayal. He's got... Um, uh, generational curses. He's got witchcraft being sent to you. So um, I, Paul Cox is a dear friend of mine. Explained it this way a long time ago. And I thought I didn't like the way it sounded, but I discovered it to be true. He said, the gospel of Jesus Christ is very simple, but the works of Satan is extremely complex. He twists and weaves and twists and, mm-hmm. and, meshes and grinds and things are all intertwined and your soul gets fragmented. And so to get healed from abuse, there are actually some fairly simple things that I'm going to talk about that today. But if you don't know those things, you will spend the next decade or two in, in um, all the kind of warfare that you're currently in. But let me just jump in and tell you a little bit of my story. I, my earliest memory um, was of this incident. I don't remember anything before this. I was four years old. We were so poor at that time that we lived in a place, Santa Paula, California, with the migrant farm workers in a place that they literally called Plywood City because the houses were just made out of plywood. Wow. And we could not afford anything more. Again, I was one of six kids. And I was at the neighbor's house, Was also went to our church for, because they were poor along with us. So we lived in Plywood City with them. She was babysitting me and I asked for a drink of water. So out of the refrigerator, she took, you know, what she had always, she'd always used to use the Purex bleach bottles after they were done. She put water in them and she put it in the refrigerator so that she could, because it was cheaper than buying a pitcher. So I'm sure she washed it out. What she didn't realize is that she put the actual bleach in the refrigerator. She poured me a nice tall glass of bleach, which I was neither, we were both clueless about it. And I took the three or four gloves. I don't really know how much I got down. All I know is I went screaming and hit the screen door, full speed ahead, throwing up. And um, my world was just turned upside down. Instantly, I knew that I had drank something poisonous, but I didn't, you know, I didn't know until I remember the, even her screaming because she realized what she had done the moment oh, I I did that. And so they turned, the, what their whole treatment was, I, they grabbed me by my legs and they held me upside down. These We were poor, uneducated, living among the migrant farmers. They pull up, you know, put me upside down and I'm throwing up on the dirt. And after it was all over, they gave me a piece of bubble gum. And I'm here today. And I don't know if anyone has checked the side effects of bleach, but the side effect of bleach is death. Look it up. Google it. Yeah. That's the side effect. I shouldn't be here. Um, so the you know, the, the scripture says we overcame him. We overcame the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And so this is a story that's just sticking it back in the face of the enemy because he tried to kill me. He tried to make me not speaking, and here I am speaking and very much alive. So yeah. That um, that was like the next year, year and a half. I'm six years old. You know, I don't know which months these were on. I'm in first grade. 
and were they made a bus out of a, the old VW vans, which weren't old in those days, a nice new VW van. They painted it yellow to match the color of a school bus, and that was our church school bus. It was literally a legal wow. bus. We got broadsided by a big old Cadillac or big old car. It just hit this thing, went through the intersection, and hit this thing. We started flipping over, and this thing flew in the air. It's like if you see one of those things on a commercial or on a movie where the, where the van's flying slow motion, it was like that. It literally flipped over twice and landed on its roof. And I remember oh, this thing sliding on its roof. The seats are on top of us. The back flies open, and I'm watching a gas station attendant running towards us. He later said, he said, all you kids were in there like popcorn bouncing around when that thing flew. you didn't have seatbelts on or anything nothing i mean there was nothing like that in those days and i yeah. and i remember thinking when this gas station man was running towards i remember thinking so this is what it feels like to die i just thought so that trauma and i, I not even that long ago that actual hit the sound that hit became real and there was actually a little bit more healing that I needed to take place because I had repressed that awful sound of this thing hitting the van. Um, anyway, we'll go to the hospital. The bus driver had been thrown out. Uh, she was in the hospital for weeks. She'd been thrown out of the bus while it was flipping. And I go to the hospital later the same day. I kid you not. I'm sitting back at my desk at school in first grade back at school. And without an injury, I mean, and that's just like in your face, Satan, you know, like right. he tried to do like, and yeah. so he has continued to try to do this. Um, but that was the year that then the molestation came in and it was a one-time thing for myself. I was six years old. My dad kind of invited me to get in the bed with my mom working the night shift. And I, that's the only place I'm, I'll stop there. It was a one-off incident that where I was molested by my father mm. And I remember from that day on, and I had to look back to remember, I became really sexualized. All of a sudden, I'm interested in the sexual aspect of girls. And, and I'm thinking, why? I didn't, I didn't even know where that came from. I guess I yeah. thought that that's what happened with kids. But I, uh, as it turns out, even though I, and I'll describe this a little bit more in detail later, I was my dad's least favorite among six, six children. And they all knew it. All the other five knew it. He did, in fact, molest my sisters for years and years and years. So um, it's a weird, really weird thing because at my dad's funeral 32 years ago, and he did go to home with me with the Lord, which is it's good news because mm -hmm. he, he, he asked forgiveness for those sins. He sought the Lord's forgiveness. And so God took him home, but uh, the, his sin killed him at the age of 59. He, has, he had so much guilt and so much heart troubles that uh, he, his heart took him at 59 mm -hmm. years old. But anyway, at the funeral, at the viewing room, my sister and I were out in the snow. It's Anchorage, Alaska, where this occurred. And and we're trying to talk about our relationship with our father, who's lying in there in a box, you know. And uh, we were taking turns going into the viewing room. And my sister, older sister Lindy, um, said to me, now remember, the two girls were molested for years. I was molested once. Mm -hmm. But she said, Stephen, the thing about it is, as perverted as it sounds, he, he said, at least I knew dad loved me. And you didn't have that. And see, they all knew it. I go into the in, inner sanctum of this um, viewing room. For some reason, I'm just in there alone with my mom. 
uh, for a few minutes and I began crying. I'm 35 at that time, so it's 32 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I'm crying and I said, Mom, why did Dad hate me when I was a child? And she goes, yes, but when you became an adult, you became his favorite. Well, you know what? I did become his favorite, but the damage was done. Absolutely. I mean, he screwed me up, um, literally figured he, all those kinds. I mean, and uh, I was the picked on child and, and it's good for him to have um, sought forgiveness. I mean, I'm glad he did that. Yeah. But the damage, now uh, let me describe it another way. Dad's been in heaven 30, 32 years, I think it is. 31, 32 years. This, my sisters still have severe PTSD from that. So dad's restored. <laughs> I mean, you can't even make sense in that. And yet that is the, that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. He will redeem you yeah. from the curse of the law. The curse of the law says that you die for your sins. And, and, and yet he got his heart right. So we know God's going to do some work uh, on my sisters. They still have a lot more healing to go. But my dad beat my mom. My dad raped my mom's sister. My dad molested his brothers when he was a young younger boy before he was ever married a lot of this i didn't find out um until after i was married and had our first child a lot of the stuff came to light i remember when i was in third grade him taking my head and just banging it like like you if he it had a doll and you were banging his head on the floor he was banging my head on the floor for something i did only god i only god knows what was so severe that he could have killed his child yeah and i remember my mom running in there screaming and demanding he stop and so then he took off after her um, and you know, it's a, and you can imagine in a family like this, the, some of the trauma is why didn't mom leave? What some of the anger and unforgiveness, even on the girls these days is why didn't you leave? Yeah. And so there's that we could even do a whole show about that, but it's right. too controversial back then. Nobody talked about molestation. Nobody talked about, um, they just, it wasn't in the news. Nobody talked about that. It was hidden. Mm -hmm. Now it's on every news channel every day. Something's being rested for something like that. Back then you didn't talk about it. You know, yeah. she, she caught yeah. my father once somehow became aware of it. And my father's brother was a pastor. They got, and we were on, I remember even being on this Greyhound bus. My mom was leaving with us, all six kids. He, she was running away because she had found this out. And they chased down the Greyhound bus to the next stop. And my, my uncle, who was a pastor, said, Frida, please forgive Jim. He'll never do it again. He's so, so sorry. And she believed him because what, what do you do in 1959? Right. But believe someone or 60, whichever year it was. Yeah. Um, and so she went back and then she continued to work the night shift, which was, a, you know, she could make more money to take care of. Um, she was a nurse at night. But anyway, well, I won't belabor that. But I, I will say that as far as my, my father, I can remember all the different times he would say in front of all the siblings, he'd look at me for whatever I must have done. I remember one day I was running around to the front of the church school waiting for, the, for my dad to come pick us all up. And I was just running around laughing with the kids. And what he took me home and took his belt and just strapped me. Um, he called, they called it a whipping back then. It really was because I, he developed these big old welts on, on my backside. And what was I doing? I was running around laughing and playing being a kid. Yeah. Being a kid. Yeah. So, um, um, I'll just jump to eighth grade. There's a bunch of things that I'll skip for this for the sake of time, but in eighth grade, 
Mom was working the night shift as a nurse, and Dad worked the night shift then in those days as a newspaper at the newspaper office. So we had an older motorhome by then, and he would then trade off and take different ones of us to the shop three miles away, and we would stay in the motorhome and help him load things in and out of the shop. And so he would just do that as a matter of course. He would take one or two. Well, this we lived out in the middle of the orchards. Santa Paula, California, and uh, just a little old rented house. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Fire podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, visit ElijahFire.com slash donate. And uh, this one night, mom was already at work, and he said, all right, all six of you get in the motorhome. He didn't explain. We're all going to the shop tonight. Well, that had never happened. And he turns the motorhome around, and he says, I'll be right back. He goes inside the house, puts the iron on full blast, and puts it on a stack of newspapers and sets the house on fire. And we didn't know, we just go to the shop. And I remember being in that shop and the, and the guy's banging on the, there's this bill loud bang from the cops and they said, they're shouting, your house is on fire. Well, dad knew, we didn't know he had started that fire, but we um, jumped in the motor home and we're going out there and the, the whole night sky's lit up because it's only three miles away. You see it almost immediately after we left, the, you see it in the sky. Yeah. And we and this is part is hard for me to tell because I think of my mother. Mm. And she's still with us. She's she's fading fast right now. She's 88, but I think she arrived by ambulance cuz they told her they got word that her house was on fire. And the reason it's hard to tell is because I picture my mom, she was screaming cuz she thought six kids were burning alive in that house. Cuz yeah. they were mostly in It's hard to tell not because I still have pain. When I have tears now, mm-hmm. it's not the pain, it's the compassion. It's I think of the moment. Um, all the other times during my healing years, you know, I'd be thinking of myself or, or the situation. But sometimes nowadays when I when those tears will come it'll, and I realize I'm thinking of someone's pain that they went through and I realize yeah. that's a healing. That's a sign of a healing because yeah. instead of worrying about myself. So... Um, I think there's a, a bunch of close calls. I'll just jump ahead to when I was a senior in high school. Well, really quick, Steve. Yeah. Um, and for those that maybe are like, why did your dad light the house on fire? Yeah. Okay. The, the good question in the, in his sick mind, he was going to, um, collect the insurance. It was a rented house. He was going to collect the renter's insurance. And he was going to start all over with this money. We were going to move to the East Coast to Vermont to some property my grandfather owned or had owned. And he was going to start all over. He had felt so guilty because of his known sins that he was going to create this crime, (laughs) burn the house down, collect the money, and start all over. As if you could just do that. I know what I'll do. I'll create this crime. Then we'll start over, and I'll be good from that point on. Right. My mom... Once all six of us started piling out of the motorhome, it took her about a half a second to know what had really happened. She she knew knew right away. She knew instantly. I didn't know this. It had been kept for me all those years until I was married. I didn't know my dad. My dad, uh, my daughter had, our first daughter had been born and dad called me out. They flew out to see the daughter and his father had just died. He called, he says, I want to talk with you. And he took me out in the car and began to unfold all of these things he had done, including the house um, that he burned. I said, you burned the house down? I didn't know. 
So, um, wow. and then he had, that was when he acknowledged to me that he had molested my sisters and all of that. And my, I was so young back then, early twenties that to me, I didn't understand molestation. I didn't understand its damage in the moment. He told me, I thought the most shocking thing he could tell me is that he had burned the house down. I didn't, I thought, oh, well, you said you're sorry to the girls and they forgive you. Okay. You know, it was so yeah. not done. It was so yeah. not done, you know. Well, did you all, did, did, so did you, you obviously didn't know that he had molested your sisters right. until you were older. Right. Did anyone else in, of your siblings know, like, I mean, you I maybe assumed that your, him molesting you was, you were the only one. Yeah, I assume I was the only one. The girls probably knew about each other. I'm not quite clear. I think they knew about each other. The boys, there's four boys and two girls. Uh, they didn't know. My older brother was molested once by my father as well. I mean, um, thank God for small, you know, I hate to say it in those terms because my sisters were so abused, but I'm grateful it was only once for me. Mm. But it didn't, it didn't stop the damage from happening. Absolutely. So when I was a senior... So by that time, you know, that's when you're about you're old enough to leave home. And that's the year he decided to give me a black eye by hitting me in the eye. So my father kept it from the time I was little all the way through. Um, Dan, you can imagine the damage that was done. Um, um, and so I don't know where I should start as far as uh, beginning to talk about how the healing processes go. What what questions do you want to ask me to jump off into that? By um, the way, I want to ask I want to answer this um I realized I hadn't told you this. Once mom realized what dad had done, mm -hmm. she said, if you collect that insurance money, I will turn you into the cops for burning the house down. So he didn't collect the insurance money and she didn't turn him in. And mm -hmm. we, you know, clearly moved. Yeah. You know, that was, that's, that's so how that plan part didn't was fully work. Yeah. Cause mom wasn't going to have anything, any part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, I don't know. I kind of want to just let you keep telling the story okay. and then we can maybe go back if there's, yeah. I've been jotting so, some stuff down, well, but I don't want to. I don't well, want to the thing that. about healing processes and of course the, every, no, no two people are ever going to have the same process of healing. No two people have the same. Um, I, I wanted to start with all of the different things that had happened to me and all of the different things. Cause the enemy, by the time the molestation had happened, I was already screwed up. He had already tried to kill me twice in the bus accident and the flip over bus accident and that right. it was three more accidents that we almost, I was almost killed. Um, so the, when, when the Bible says the thief comes to kill, steal and destroy, there is no one in the sound of my voice that the enemy has not tried to kill you. Every single person hearing me, the devil has tried to kill you because that's his job description. That's what yep. he does. And the only reason you're here is that the, uh, that the Lord has prevented it. And, yep. You know, so, you know, he's called the thief because he comes to take away, to steal peace, to steal joy, to steal your health, to steal your life, to steal your, um, well, my voice. He was going to try and ruin my voice, to steal your innocence. To, he's stealing, stealing, stealing. So the the whole process of, of um, healing for me started when I was just about the time my dad was, he was actually almost hadn't died yet, but I began the process of, I thought that the one incident that happened to me was, it was a one-off. I just thought someone said, well, you should talk to somebody. You're going through some stuff. I was had some anxiety. I didn't know where it was coming from. So I went to this Christian counselor, which was a brilliant move, if I could say it that way, because 
I have gone over the years to probably three or four sets of Christian counselors, each time making great progress. You know, one of the things I would tell people is make sure you're talking to someone hmm. uh, of a Christian nature who you can trust, whether you pay them or not. I was I happily paid for the counseling, and every single time I cried buckets of tears. Um, and every single time there was a deeper healing and every single time we, we went to more issues um, and the, the forgiveness became more and more um, profound. Um, yeah. I, I just have to tell people that you part one, the very beginning is you have to determine in your, in your heart a couple things. One is every time you talk to a counselor, every time you get prayer for deliverance, when you should get lots of prayer for deliverance, you should determine your heart to, to be better off than you were before this session. Every yeah. single time and every single time the forgiveness that you might still have, uh, you need to um, release it more and more. Uh, most of the forgiveness for myself has taken a long time. It took years to fully forgive uh, my father for what he did. Hmm. Um, and if, the, if I can put it this way, of all the six kids... I don't even know how to say this because it sounds like I'm bragging. I don't mean it that way. Somehow or other, God put in my being a forgiving heart. Mm -hmm. For some reason, I wanted to forgive. I, my dad could wail on me and put welts. And if he came in five minutes later and gave me a bowl of ice cream, I would think he's the greatest thing that ever, you know. Mm -hmm. But I was always that way. I grew up that way. So with all of that, with my being easily forgiving because it was given to me from birth, Mm -hmm. And yet having that much unforgiveness in me, if you understand the contradiction, yeah. um, think how much worse it is for those who were not born with somehow I was gifted with the ability to forgive easily, mm. probably too easily. You know, I, my, I remember my sister saying I was in high school, she goes, why don't you run away? Why do you take that? You know, and uh, mm. I remember the day I finally stood up to my dad, he was going to take the broom. This is a... Uh, in college by then, and he was going to take the broom and just wail on the cat, and I came undone, and at the top of my <laughs> in a very scary tone, I demanded he stop that. I was ready. To, I don't know what I would have done. He's a lot bigger than me, but um, it freaked him out, mm -hmm. and I got it, went upstairs. I was prepared to leave home. I didn't know where I was going, but I was leaving. Wow. And I heard him come up, and I quickly jumped under the covers. I didn't want him to know I was dressed and ready to go. And uh, he started, that was the first time he ever apologized to me. Interesting. You know? And it was, a, it was when I completely lost it on him, um, almost to the point of that I would have hit him or something. You know? but hmm. Not that I was given to that, because like I said, he was much bigger than me back then. So was so was your dad that. really confrontational with other people, like outside oh, yeah. of the family? Oh, yeah. yeah, he had a, he had two sides to him. He could uh, hoodwink the church people because he was a wannabe pastor who in the last 10 years of his life became a pastor, which he should never have had the right to do, hmm. not with what he had done. Because mm -hmm. you don't do those kind of things to people and rape and burn your house down and then say, you know, I think I'll become a pastor now. It just... It shouldn't have been done. And yeah. halfway through his pastorship, the girls, my sisters, had had enough because now by this time, all this pain had come to the surface and they started reporting him to the, they had told him, yes, you can go be a pastor. We forgive you until they got a few years into it and realized how damaged they were. So then they reported him that he shouldn't be a pastor. So he was taken out 
of the pastorship and went through some chaplain training. And somehow or other, they let him in because he would, they would send him way to the far north of Alaska, literally to just outside of North Pole City, Alaska, which is where they would let him be pastor. And that's wow. where, that where he died. <laughs> way on the boondocks. Yeah, way as far as you could get. Yeah. You know? But um, yeah, was did I answer your question? Yeah, you did. Um, and then I was going to ask in regards to your dad, like, I know through some conversations with your mom and, and maybe comparing notes with siblings, more information about your father's kind of become illuminated as you've grown. Um, but have you ever been able to reduce uh, the why behind the way he was? Like, well, I'm, I don't, I can only surmise it because he was born in China, the son of missionary parents. It was in China where he molested his brother, which means somehow he got sexualized there. I, mm -hmm. you know, there were, I think his Buddhism was, is the, you know, and they, they would, missionaries in those days were kind of top dog. You were the white American missionary and you would get all these free people to watch your children. I think they probably had Buddhists that were, would watch over the kids who probably cursed the kids. Mm. That's the only thing I can figure out because where did that evil come from unless his father did something that 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 we don't know about. But um, yeah, yeah, it was we, we don't know. All I know is in my, the time my, my, he and my mom got married, and this shows how families happen. My mom said, well, you know, I married dad because she had had an affair with a, um, she was a, selling Bible books, okay, for this denomination, and the guy that was their boss. So it was like student missionaries kind of thing, and here's the boss. She ended up having an affair with him, and he was a married man. And she realized what she had done was so bad to have done that, she didn't think she deserved any more than to marry dad, who had already given some bad signs of, of bad mm -hmm. behavior, but not that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, here's two people that were extremely broken in their soul that didn't believe in deliverance, that didn't, that just thought you could just stop sinning because you yeah. chose to, you know, so, so yeah. yeah it's, and you guys were Seventh-day Adventist growing yeah. up, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. And that you know, is that denomination. I can only speak to, to that, but, you know, as person that I remember hearing, I went to. Uh, I left when I was 25 years old. I left the denomination. So I've been married 44 years and I've been, we uh, married, it was 40 years ago that we left that denomination. And I was the first person that God got a hold of. And, and in some ways, to this day, almost the only one that, that God's gotten a hold of at the level that, that he's got me at. You know, Warren, my brother, who also works for the ministry here, and he's, Warren's come along really nicely as well. Yeah. But, all the others, it's bad. It's really, really, the family, to this day, dad's been in heaven 30 years, and four of the six are extremely broken, broken, broken. I mean, I love them. They're my brothers, but they've cut, they've disowned their mother for the reasons that, you know, you can surmise, you know. She, yeah. didn't, she didn't leave, so therefore it's her fault. I don't, it's, it's more complex than that. Yeah, devil, it's almost like God has to come in and just like, you know, no words, just come in full, yeah. full encounter with him, with them yeah. to, to open up an area for their hearts to even receive any. Yeah, kind you, of that's counseling. right. I mean, what happened to me was, uh, uh, and I 
mention this from time to time. I was went to a campus crusade for Christ Bible study. I was a Seventh-day Adventist. And I was I had a lot of anger in me and my that I'm sure I inherited from my father's side. And I was angry that the guy was talking about that you could know you're saved. And I knew he was wrong. You couldn't know you were saved because that's what I'd been taught. And I was really about to wail on this guy. It's the first time, first meeting. We had been invited to this three Adventist couples. And all of a sudden, I've got a borrowed Bible. It's not marked, but it's open. And all of a sudden, the room goes into slow motion. And God walked in that room in the form of the Holy Spirit. And the scripture jumps off the page. And it says, my sheep hear my voice, and yeah. they follow me. And no one can snatch him out of my hand. Can you imagine the freedom? You can you can tell I feel it when I tell it because it was uh, it was like going from I deserved none of that. All I all I deserved was I was just a carnal Adventist with all kinds of sexual temptations. Yeah. My mind wasn't clean, and I was going to tell him you can't know you're saved because you know. I consider them lost. And God just kind of goes, okay, watch this. And mm. he just, in a moment in time, you know. Yeah. And honestly, Steve, though, like, I, I'm getting emotional because I'm like, if it wasn't for that, if it wasn't for you listening to the Holy Spirit in that moment, I wouldn't be here. Illumination wouldn't be wow. here. Like, Michael wouldn't be here. Wow. The people, the thousands of people that have been affected hundreds of thousands through your ministry through elijah streams elijah fire none of it wouldn't have wow. happened in the way that god intended because it involved you True. and it's just like wow. and uh, you know i've i've gone over and over that and i used to ask god what did i do to deserve it that you would do this and i finally realized there was nothing i did to deserve that in other words when he showed up that night it didn't seem plausible to deny what had just happened to me because it was so profound. And I turned to the group after this happened and I said, you guys are not going to believe what just happened to me. So there's these three other Adventist couples. And I said, I have never seen this scripture in my life. And I read it to them. And Claudia was their Adventist pastor's wife. She was so blown away by hearing this scripture for the first time in her life that when we knelt to pray afterwards, she quietly goes into this prayer language and starts speaking in tongues oh, wow. at a campus crusade for Christ Bible study. You know, I mean, God just, in I mean, I guess like I can think of, it's like God said, Gabe, watch this. You know, I'm going to take this hardcore guy. I mean, I wanted to do right. I was happily married. I had our first child, but I, I didn't know nothing about serving the Lord. I had already been baptized. I feel like I was probably saved. But the change that was so dramatic at that time. But ironically, Jeff, in all of the all of this, even in all those years, I still had to get healed of deep, deep, deep wounds. So um, the 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 part that I want to begin to emphasize more than anything is you've got to do you've got to do the work, you've got to forgive. And if you can't, and I I just would tell people, don't try to feel forgiveness. Speak forgiveness. Really good. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. So don't try to feel it. Just say, as an act okay. of my will, I learned that loss from from Cat. As an act of my will, I speak forgiveness. As an act of my will, I loose from my soul unforgiveness to my father. As an act of my will, I lose unforgiveness toward whoever. And then Cat um, um, was really good. About, is really good about teaching this. And I bind to my soul 
forgiveness. I bind to my soul uh, love, acceptance, forgiveness. I mean, you just do the work, and you do that consistently uh, because people, if someone will say, well, I, I understand what you're saying, Steve, but I can never, I just can never forgive my father or whoever for, for doing this. I just have to tell you this, and I, this is a hard word, but you know, at the Lord's Prayer, we emphasize this part that says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And I've gone over and over that, and I'm saying it says, forgive us our debts as, or in the same way that we forgive our debtors. And so someone might say, well, okay, Steve, Matthew 6, that's the Lord's Prayer, but maybe you're misinterpreting that. But in case I'm getting it wrong, Jesus keeps talking after, after he tells him how to pray. And he says, you know, the part where it ends, where yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. Remember that part? Then he says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Help Elijah Fire continue to make an impact around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. Visit ElijahFire.com slash donate and become a partner today. That's hardcore teaching. And people start, people stop at the prayer and they want to get the prayer right. And the part in the middle was the hardest part was forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then he clarifies after the prayer, this is what I'm saying. It's like, that's almost the bigger part of the prayer is to, is the forgiveness part, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think too, unforgiveness is one of these things. It's like, it's, it's, it's revenge. You know, it's yeah. like, if I, if I'm not going to forgive them, then that's what I have against them. But just like, revenge begets revenge or begets revenge yeah. unforgiveness you're the one that's held prisoner and and yeah. the, the decay that happens the inward decay that it's happens. horrible it's a horrible thing you know there's a saying that unforgiveness is like drinking poison expecting the other person to die you're drinking the poison it's yeah. you that it's killing you know uh, there's another one and it's also in matthew where he talks about the guy who he said he had a big debt and he asked this master to forgive him. So the master forgives him of this uh, really large debt. Mm-hmm. And then this guy goes out and finds some that owes him money. And, and this say, said, Hey, will you forgive me my debt? It's a small amount. And the guy says, no, I won't forgive you this. And, and so he's thrown into prison until he pays every last bit of it. And here's it is Matthew 18. 35. It says, in anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured. Now listen to this. To be tortured until he should repay all that he owed. Verse 35, the next verse. That, Jesus is talking, that is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. There's just no wiggle room. There's no wiggle room. You know, it's like, it's like the prime directive in getting healed through abuse is for all these other things is forgiveness. There's other things to do, get delivered. Um, I, I, I don't know how much you all talk about deliverance, but you know, I know at any one time, Oh good. I, I know three or four people at any one time. If I feel like I need deliverance, whether it's in person, uh, my friend, I've been to many deliverance sessions and then I go through a tune up. I'll call it a tune up, you know, after your car has been chugging along for a while, it's picked up some bad habits and some bad yep. 
fluids and you go take it in for a tune. Yeah, you go back in and get cleaned up again. You know, I I understood this concept more with Paul Cox. He's got quite a deliverance ministry himself, but he could he's the guy that will discern even over the phone what's going on. You heard me talk about that, but I uh, some of the people may not have heard me. So I'm walking around this big old building on Second Street. I don't think you ever saw that one, Jeff, but this big building we were in. Hmm. And everyone had gone home. I said, Paul, I'm going to walk around the building. Could you tell me what you discerned? And uh, I just moved around and he would get some good words about some desk or something. And then I knew there was a place where some women Two of the women that worked for me had gotten a, t- a fight, a verbal fight at the cash register at the Christian bookstore. So I thought, I'm going to walk behind there because yeah. they're all gone. So I just, I said, okay, Paul, I'm walking and I'm walking and I come around to where this fight had occurred right by the register. He goes, stop, where are you? I go, well, I'm at the register. Why? He goes, oh, there's a lot of junk there. Tell those demons to leave. And I go, well, this is where those women got in the fight. He goes, that's why they're there. Tell them to leave. And so wow. then I would walk around the building and this happened like at least three times the same. And I'd walk and I happened to be going through a doorway. He's on the phone. He's not seeing anything. This right. is not. And all of a sudden he goes, stop. And I go, he goes, where are you? I said, I'm right in the doorway between this place. And he goes, demons like to hide doorways because they can get you. Just tell them to leave. I go, oh, okay. So get out of here in Jesus name. So then I walk, I don't tell him anything. And I happened in another doorway. He goes, stop, where are you? I said, I'm in another doorway. He says, tell him to leave. And that was three times. Wow. And you realize that these demons are there to kill, steal, and destroy. They're going to take every opportunity yeah. where they can just hang around because you haven't cleared out your building or because you had a fight or because sin took place here mm-hmm. or because you got on the phone and you had a fight with your, your husband or wife over the phone at lunch. You know, anything that gives the enemy opportunity so we have to live lives of deliverance, lives of, I love That's Kat's right. teachings about loosing from your soul. I do that um, quite a bit too. You got to, you got to, we pick up stuff. I do it at least, if it's not every day, it's at least every other day where I'm, I'm, I either saw something on TV that I should have turned it and now it's in my brain and I say I lose um, uh, vain images or what is that word, vain imaginations from my soul and I bind to my soul purely thought to make sure you keep your soul clean because the enemy will just if you if it's not clean he'll clean it to you yeah he gets yeah. you he gets you yep. so yes. you can do all the right things but if your soul is broken and remain damaged um, you can even possibly continue to forgive but if you don't clean out your soul that it may not take. Right. Um, so you got to do the work. What are the what is the work? Forgive, 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 forgive. Um, get deliverance. Get checkups. Get talk therapy. Go to people that you trust. Cry buckets of tears if it's needful every single time, and make it make a plan that you're not leaving this building, this session until you're further along in your healing. You know. That's good. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, the goal is not to, I think sometimes our flesh can get in the way if we're not, if the goal is not to be healed, but the goal is to just, I just want to feel what I'm feeling and I want to just get it. Cause I know that I've gone in these cyclical yeah. cycles of like, no, I just want to talk about it. I don't care deep down. Yeah. I'll say I want, want, want to be free, but deep down, I just want to talk about it. And I just yeah. want to, I just want to stir the spoon. That's all I want yeah. to do. 
I, I had, when I, when I, oh, I almost died here a few years ago. It ended in 2013. I got my health back, but it was a seven year process. But uh, my pastor at the time asked me to go to counseling because he thought maybe I was depressed. Well, I wasn't depressed. I, I had these science issues they hadn't discovered yet. So I was losing weight. I couldn't eat. And I was got down to under 100 pounds. Okay. It was horrible. And, but he said, I, I want you to commit to going to this, um, Counseling. Well, I, I knew counseling had always been good for me because there's always something anybody can get out of any counseling. Any one of us, I could go to counseling today and they'd say, well, what's on your mind? I might come up with something. Well, I have had these issues about blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so um, I went and one of the first things that happened is I saw a book on the shelf at this uh, counselor's office. She's a Christian counselor and she did deliverance. And, and I said, that man that wrote that book tried to destroy this ministry. And she goes, well, tell me about it. So I told him about it. I'm not going to say the name. And I said, he's literally for years tried to destroy this ministry. Hmm. And so she says, okay, I want you to do this. And she did these little exercises that was a very, it was kind of very creative. It's God gives wisdom to men and women. She says, okay, so I want you to go to the door and he's with you. I won't say his name, and you're walking through the door at the same time, and you're going up these steps, and you're walking with him. See, I can feel the emotion. It's if I'm either going to laugh or I'm going to cry, but I, you know, um, go up the steps, and she says, "Now you're going up the steps, and you're going, and you open the door, and you're with the and the Lord's at the top of the steps. You've reached heaven, and he's up there, and he's now open the door, okay, and what do you say to the Lord now that you're with? This person we named him. What what would you like to say to the Lord? <laughs> that was a real tender moment because, and it was like something that I would never have made up on my own. It was like the spirit was on me, and I said, I said to her that I would say to the Lord, We both just did the best we knew how, Lord. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there, you know, defending his honor, if you will. Wow. We just did the best mm-hmm. we could. So it's a real creative approach, but that was extremely healing. And I didn't wow. think I even, I was only going to counseling because I was going to honor my pastor's wish, but mm. that was real healing. So you might find that you th- thought you'd forgiven everybody, everything, and you find new levels. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. Well, in the, I guess sort of in the topic of forgiveness, I know I'm, I'm looking at how you were raised, your upbringing, the horrible things you had to endure. And I know there's a lot of people also asking the same thing. How, how, how did this happen, Steve? Like the man you are today, how did that happen? Because people would look at your case and be like, well, there's nothing we can do. We're dealing with, we're dealing with decades worth of conditioning decades worth of trauma. How did this happen, Steve? Because you're a great father, you're a great husband. I I mean, I've observed you with your friends, you know, just having worked in the studio with you, you're a great friend, you're invested. Like, how did, how did that happen, man? (laughs) You know, if if I could go back a little bit, because we had been, Doreen and I had been married about four years by this time. I, three years by this time and we had from the time we started dating because remember i said i was really already saying i was seventh day adventist but we had decided i had i don't know if we did it together or something from our very first date 
we started praying together. So we were already choosing, even though it was a legalistic God that I served, I still wanted to pray to because I mm. felt that that was better than not praying. Mm -hmm. And Doreen and I only dated 10 weeks before we were engaged and 10 weeks after we were engaged, we were married. It was very fast. We just were, we both were out of college. We both had our occupations. I was a school teacher and she was a nurse and there was nothing to wait for. We knew what you wanted. Yeah, we knew what we wanted. And so we went. Yeah. So we were praying. So that mechanism, and I'm going to just call it that, it was a mechanism because sometimes it was so dry and so not anointed. And I never, I never had a tear. And one day I remember, it's interesting because I, I remember Dream worked the night shift as a nurse. And so I would stay back and watch the baby because, you know, we were newlyweds and she was working and so she worked night shift as a nurse, very similar to mine, except this, she only worked a couple of years into our marriage. But anyway, um, I remember I had my headsets on and listening to the Christian radio station and the guy said, and this is before any of this thing had happened. He goes, I've seen your tears. I've actually never told this publicly, so oh, this wow. is raw. He goes, he goes, I've seen your tears, I've heard your prayers, and I will answer you. And I think he was quoting a passage in Scripture. Hmm. He says, I've seen your tears, and I've heard your prayers, and I will answer. Hmm. Well, I hadn't, <laughs> I hadn't been crying that I knew of so that he would see my tears, and my prayers were kind of rote, but God was saying, and this is coming to me because I've never told this publicly that it was like God saying, okay, I'm going to, it was after that, Jeff, that I had this encounter with Campus Crusade. So I think there was a mechanism. And I said that part I have said before that if you just pray. So from, from the, from the day we were dated to, to last night, when we always go to bed at the same time, unless we really can't. And we always pray together. We, every night before we go to sleep and sometimes it's still dry and other times it's anointed but the mechanism is in place mm -hmm. always putting the lord there and i think god looked at that and goes i think i can do something with those dry prayers because we meant it yep. and you can yeah. tell we meant it because because <laughs> in talking about it, it it brings that back up but when yeah. When God had, he spoke to me through hearing that guy give that thing, I heard your senior tears and heard your prayer. And I thought, okay, but it felt good for him to say that. And I somehow knew he was talking to me mm -hmm. somehow. Yeah. It's just some validation of, because at the time, did you know that they were dry prayers? You know, to yeah, the Lord? I mean, I would have said, I would have felt, I would have said, I'm glad we're doing it. Mm hmm. I don't know how to describe that. I knew that prayer was better than not prayer. Mm -hmm. But I also would have said there wasn't much anointing. We didn't even know about anointing. Mm -hmm. We didn't know that what that word meant, or we didn't hear, we didn't know about the Holy Spirit yet. We didn't know about being baptized in the Spirit or anything. That that night after that one encounter that I had that that I told you about, my Bible flipping came alive. Oh, you know, so while I was saved before, I think I was crazy in love with the word of God. All of a sudden, it didn't matter if I was talking Old Testament, New Testament, wherever I opened it, I would find grace in there. It was just so easy. It would be in Leviticus and I'd find the grace of God in it. You know, mm -hmm. I was addicted to TV back in those days. So we were watching these old 
Um, I remember back then it was real popular. Dynasty was a program. It was like one of these nighttime soap operas. And I would sit there and watch Dynasty because I was in the habit of doing it. But I was reading my Bible the whole time, reading my Bible. And that was kind of playing in the background. Yeah, it's just crazy. I mean, it was a complete contradiction. I mean, I guess I needed that sound or something. But and then we would just interrupt it uh, and say, "Can you believe the scripture? How did we never see this before?" Yeah. We would just talk back and forth about the Word of God. Oh, and, so cool. You know, and so that happened when was basically with Doreen at the same time. Yeah, but- everything was the same. The difference was I was the one that had the encounter. But both of us instantly had the same spirit. We saw the same scriptures. We saw the same. It was like I had the supernatural experience, but she instantly was there. I don't know mm-hmm. if I can describe it. It's like she got it. Yeah. She, she like, had yeah, never yeah. seen that scripture either. She's And we've yeah. always been this way. If we discover something, we share it with each other. And we'll go, man, I didn't know that was there. Mm-hmm. To this day, it's still fun to do that. Yeah, I think Lauren and I do that quite a bit. We spend a lot of time just chit chatting and about what God is doing, and I think that's fun. That's like the that's like the greatest part of having that a spouse is just being yeah, able totally. to be a close friend, I guess. But um, my wife is both. She is yeah. my best friend and she's totally. my spouse. Um, yeah. but okay, so how did? So obviously that happened, that process of praying every night with Doreen and, yeah. and you got that word and it was just like that really impacted you. Um, what was the process then of, was there ever a conscious thought of, I am never going to be the father that my father was. I am never going to be the man that he was. You mean was like, a ever- did- oh, well, yeah. I mean, the, the, yeah, I think that always, the difference is, until our first child was born, I didn't even fully know what kind of man he had been, but I knew he was mad. He was, he was wicked to me. And I determined I was never going to be that way, but it wasn't, you know, you've heard of a term called the bitter root judgment where someone says, I will never be with that man. And by that bitter root judgment, you take on to yourself the same sin. It was never like that. It was like, I don't want to do that to my child. Why would you be unkind? So it wasn't a bitter root. It was just like, Oh, I don't want to do that. So yeah. I never was. I do remember, though, those first couple of months, we were still Adventist, and I'd had this encounter, and I still ha- had this old stuff in me where I was told that your child should be seen and not heard in church, and it was there was a hardcoreness. I remember one time taking my Tani out because she was making a fuss in church, and it was, you know, this is a formal church. Everybody's wearing ties and suits. And so I took her out and chewed her out. And I thought, I'm never doing that again. I'm never, never doing that again. Um, yeah, I had a lot of firsts where I said, I'm never doing that again because it scared me because mm-hmm. it made me think, oh, dear, what if I have any part of my father? I was afraid to have any part of my father. It wasn't a bitter root. It was like a godly fear of not being like my father, mm-hmm. making sure I wasn't like my father. Yeah. So he became a guide to me of what not to be. Yeah. And I would just do the opposite. I mean, I'm yeah. just really serious. Yeah. That way that- I think that's fair though. I mean, it's like, if anything, it, it can be the, uh, the neg, you know, if you have like negative photos, you know, it's just like, yeah. that's like the negative version of what you could become. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, as long yeah. as I'm not doing that, but I think, also what i've found um and i'm i would it sounds like this is the case for you it's not in the okay i'm gonna make myself not be this because it's sort of that whole like bitter root 
judgment yeah. thing you said yeah. where you go, I'm, I'm never going to be that. And then, yeah, that's how cyclical yeah. generational things can happen. Yeah. But it's in that for me, it was always this taking the way I was treated, having an open hand before the Lord, surrendering it to him and saying, I'm not going to do the same. I'm yeah. not going to treat people the same way because I know how it made me feel. Yeah. I forgive them. I'm going to move on. I'm just not going to do what they did. Yeah. And I think that, yeah. I think, but ultimately what it sounds like from, from your testimony that it was just, and we talk about this a lot on this show, that the absolute, how essential it is to continue presence, presence, yeah. seeking yeah. God's presence. And that being in his presence is the thing that changes us. Yeah. You know, suddenly yeah. you're like, I don't, I'm not into this thing anymore. I don't feel like watching that anymore. I don't, why was I so rude to that person? Yeah. I, all those things start to kind of come, come to the surface. Yeah. Yeah. It's kingdom living and it's a whole different line. My things, my parents never knew anything about. They knew rules and regulations and laws. And, uh, and uh, my mom, who's like, is she slipping into eternity? She doesn't, she believes she's going to lie in the grave and wait till the second coming of Christ. She doesn't believe she'll go because they don't, that's what Adventist believes. She believes her son, me, I am 100% lost. She believes it in her heart of hearts mm-hmm. because that's how hardcore that denomination is. She believes that I don't keep the one true Sabbath, therefore I'm lost. Hell is my hell is my portion. They don't yeah. believe in an eternal hell. They just believe you'll be burned up. That's it. You, try, you know, you tried, but you weren't willing to do it, so you're burned up. Did you ever show her that verse that was your kind of aha moment that my sheep hear hear my voice? I don't remember if I showed her that one, but one of the things I found is all the time since my dad passed, my mom became a Bible worker. She had been a pastor's wife. Then she became a paid Bible worker. And from Alaska, she went out to Ohio most of those years, and she was a paid Bible worker. So she was never allowed to think for herself because she was being paid by the denomination to do the Bible study. So uh, I did, the, we did like about three years ago or so, I had a kind of a confrontation because uh, she was still being hardcore. And I said, mom, and I said, the Bible says, and I don't, um, and I don't have this totally memories, but it's like, uh, if you believe, if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that Christ raised him, God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Mm-hmm. And she said, if you love me, keep my commandments. I said, Mom, if you believe in your heart and you say with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And she says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And so I said it one more time. And I walked out of the room. We were visiting her in Ohio. I was really fit to be tied. I, and to my astonishment, she walks up to Doreen in the same living room. And she says, where's that passage? <laughs> So she had never heard it before. Romans. Yeah. So, (laughs) you know, but it doesn't seem to, it never seemed to take, but only God knows. I mean, my mom will be in heaven. My mom loves, believes in Jesus Christ as a savior. The the sad part is that they believe so many other godly people are lost because they don't Mm -hmm. go to church on Saturday and keep the Sabbath, sundown Mm -hmm. to sundown. Yeah. And that to me, when I look at that, you guys and Jeff, you know, for God to rescue us, and we've always felt like God rescued us in so many ways. Not only were we rescued to hear his voice, but we were rescued from from a horrible set of beliefs. I'm not saying that that they're all lost or anything like that. 
because many of them are saved, but it was a horrible set of beliefs because I would have said to you, or I would have felt about you, poor Jeff, he doesn't know it, but he's lost. That's what I would have truly, truly, yeah. honestly believed in my heart. You're lost. Mm. And I would have been sad about it, but there's nothing I could do. Mm. That's the way I felt. So Yeah, that's crazy, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so kind of as we're closing out here with the, I, I kind of wanted to kind of come back to forgiveness because there was a thought I had as you were talking about that. And I wanted to hear your thoughts because okay. um, I know there are some people who let's say they have a grievance with um, a mother or a father. Um, obviously God can do, I, I guess in my mind, I've always looked at a situation and said, Hey, I've personally witnessed a lot of people whose parents are now passed on and they're still dealing with that trauma. And they've even said, I wish I would have just had a conversation with, this parent while they were alive from your perspective does it matter or is it better hey if you've got a mom a dad a sister a cousin a friend that you need to ask for forgiveness for or you need to have a hard conversation with of just like hey i've wronged you is it better to just do it while they're still alive or does well i mean yeah i think if if, if they're open to it if now if you uh, yeah, I mean, if there was anything like that with my own mom, I, I didn't have anything like that that I can think of um, where I had wronged my mom or wronged my dad. So I didn't think that there was anything I needed to ask them forgiveness for doing. I mean, I, there were things in the past that I did uh, that I did ask for forgiveness for, but I mean, I didn't carry those into marriage or anything like that. But yeah, if they're open to it, um, um, yeah, absolutely. If you have a way to say it to your parents, because otherwise... If they go on to an eternity and you think you wish I would have said it, um, that's too late. The good news is, the good news is, and that, you know, you hear me keep quoting, quoting Pat Cat uh, Kerr because I learned so much about heaven and how God does. And we've talked with about the moment someone steps out of the body into eternity. And I've asked her, like my mom, when my mom goes to be with the Lord, you know, will she arrive in heaven? And then at some point realized that she was all this hardcore stuff about the Sabbath and Stephen being lost. Well, she at some point realized that and go, you know, she goes, she goes, Steve, the second she steps out of her body, she'll understand it all. She'll know it all. She'll completely understand. She'll get it. And this, like this, that sudden peace. In other words, it's not like, boom, what's wrong with me? It's like yeah. you get, you step out and you go, Oh Yeah. It's just like that. It's such, it's so freeing so that anyone whose mom or dad went to be with the Lord and they didn't get a chance to say they're sorry to the, their mother or father, they already know that. Hmm. They know it. it is, and I've got this from horse's mouth to use the expression. This cat says they're they're not up in heaven saying you you know you wronged me and you never said you're sorry. They're just praying for you and decreeing for you because now they get it. Now yeah. they're with the Lord. All the flesh, all the flesh. All of it is gone. Mm. It's only it, it's only in Christ. Talk about presence. You're fully 1,000% in this presence. You can't even think of a sinful thought, you know? Yeah. So if, yeah. if you didn't say you're sorry, and one of the things she said is someone could look up and say, Mom, I'm sorry. And she goes, your mom would hear it. I said to Kat one time on the show, and I said, you know, my dad made it. I know my dad made it. And she goes, she, she listens. She goes, he loves it every time you say that. 
He loves mm-hmm. it when you say that. that he, he makes him feel so good that you're down here saying, I love my dad made it. Mm. Pretty good yeah. stuff. Yeah. Well, because you're carrying that kingdom, that kingdom mentality, and he's up there in it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So, um, Steve, uh, I would love for you to pray for the guests because I know there's yeah. some people who are primed like right now because God has done something in them through you telling your testimony uh, and they're primed to kind of get some major breakthrough deliverance in their lives. Yeah. Yeah. Lord, I just lift up. I know all the people that are listening. So many are just saying, I'm ready for something else, something more, something better. When I present them to you, you see their hearts. Lord, if I can have compassion on their hearts and I can, I can see it. How much more do you, the Lord of all the universe, have compassion on them? You see that they want to move forward. They want to forgive, Lord. And I just pray you'd help them. And I'm just going to say, have the people say, um, who have a forgiveness thing to do with a loved one, a parent, anyone that's, uh, whether they're here or in heaven, um, just repeat after me, as an act of my will, As an act of my will, I loose from my soul unforgiveness. I loose from my soul any bad feelings towards this person. I loose from my soul thoughts of judgment towards this person. I loose from my soul any revenge I want for this this person. And I bind to my soul only love for this person. I bind to my soul purity of thought, purity of heart. And I forgive them. I speak forgiveness. I use my mouth. I say it with my heart to the ability that I'm able to say it with my heart, but I'm using my mouth, Lord. And I pray that we'll do this, Lord, until until one day there's no pain left at all. There's no anguish left at all. It's all gone. You remember that it happened, but the pain and the anguish are gone. And, Lord, that's going to be a wonderful day. And a lot of people are going to experience it this side of heaven. They're not going to have to wait to get to heaven. They're going to have, have all that pain. God. So, Lord, I bless all of those who are wanting to go to the next level. Thank you for their hearts. I feel the the fire of people wanting to just go somewhere better than the where they are. They just want to take a step closer to healing. So I bless them. I bless every person who's, who says, yeah, that's me. I just bless that right now in the name of Jesus. I pray that. Amen. 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 Steve Schultz, thank you so much for saying yes to coming on here. Thank great. You. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it very much. You're very kind to have me come on your hundredth show. That's yeah. Nice. Oh, it, 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 I wouldn't have had it any other way. Someone actually, we were trying to figure out, we're like, what do we want to do? We want to have Steve back. And then we were looking at the hundredth episode. And then I, I think it was a guest actually was like, you guys should have Steve back for your, cause I'd mentioned just passing hundred episodes coming and they'll, you guys should have Steve. I was like, bingo. Yes. Awesome. You know, so, you know, <laughs> it's whoever that person is, maybe it's yeah. people you know who you are. Um, you know, so, okay. So I know there's, we have a lot of, in the description, we have a lot of links to a lot of different areas where they can follow you. What are some couple of areas that people can follow you besides, oh. I mean, obviously a lot of streams. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. Uh, you'd be like where we were normally hosted on YouTube. We've got two strikes. So we're temporarily off YouTube, but I think you can go on there and see all the old stuff yeah. on YouTube. You go uh, to just Elijah streams there. And then under rumble is where our main uh, activity is because they they're not kicking people off of Rumble, so you go under Rumble.com and then you type in Elijah streams, and we're right there. And if you just type that in, it'll give you Elijah clips and Elijah streams. But if you point if you click on just Elijah streams the word, then it will sort only those that are Elijah streams. You'll see the shows, 
in the order that they were given. But uh, yeah, 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 I hope I, I, those are the main ones. And then of course, ElijahStreams.com is where you can also see it because that also flows through to uh, Rumble as well. So yeah, well, yeah, I hope you really avail yourself if you're if you're new to it. We're on every morning at eleven o'clock uh, Pacific time and uh, on Monday through Friday. That is so good stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So go go give Elijah Streams uh, a subscribe or follow. I appreciate it too because you know that's uh i still work in that arena yeah. as well so yeah we see you um, every morning yeah well thank steve you. thank you so much this was thank great you. thanks for having me i appreciate it very much god yeah. bless you yeah okay everybody that is our show join us on friday we've got krista j bullock back steve we love the bullocks don't oh, we oh yeah we do oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so krista robin bullock's daughter is going to be back with us again we want to hear your testimonies so dm us on instagram send us a message on facebook or you can comment in the comments and we'll grab those and on monday we're going to be doing our hundred or a one year anniversary episode so tune in then but we'll see you on friday with krista j bullock bye-bye everybody this has been Elijah Fire. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can check out the Elijah Fire podcast on ElijahFire.com, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us live every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook. Elijah Fire is presented by Elijah Streams and is part of Elijah List Ministries. Click the link in the description for more info on how you can donate today.